Now, I thought I knew all of your music, Brian, but your first single I'm looking at here is one that I don't remember. I'm not familiar with it, but I love the title. It's called Eugene Eugenius. Yeah. A top 50 hit, but it got you started. That's a song. It's, uh, it, I mean, if you listen to certain times in music, you know, you always hear trends. And um, I think at that time, we had already kind of sewed up the album, but the label didn't think we had a first single. They wanted to, they wanted something that was, you know, kind of honky tonk and something up tempo that we could kind of ride in on. And, and that was the song that came across the desk and, um, and, and, you know, my good friends, Lonnie Wilson and, uh, Billy Lawson wrote that. And, uh, I, you know, I just jumped in there and sang it, sang it as best I could sing it. And, and next thing I knew it was out and, and, uh, shooting a video and all kinds of crazy stuff. So that, yeah, that was the first single. First single. So now you're out on the radio and feeling pretty good about yourself, right? Well, you know, uh, I think ultimately in the beginning, I just, I couldn't believe I had a single that was on the radio and I, and, and we had that kind of promotion behind it. And I didn't, I really didn't give much thought to, Oh my gosh, this has got to be a hit. It's got to be a hit. I didn't, I wasn't, I, I can't say that my mind was focused on, you know, I, I didn't really worry a whole lot then. I was just like, Hey, we cut a record and my, my family, you know, I, I was, I think I was just, kind of the i wanted my family to to see that i you know this had turned into something you know i wasn't just you know just chasing this thing it it actually all came together and and they're seeing the video on cmt and you know for me that was a huge accomplishment because i mean i was and i think everybody seeks the approval of their family you know i don't anybody that tells you they're not they're lying you know and back then that was it for me i was like i just wanted them to know that i was doing what I love to do. I was getting better at it. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I felt very fortunate uh, that, that it was all sort of playing out the way it did. And then your next single was one that you actually co-wrote and look at me now, you know, and it, it performs better on the charts. What's the difference in, you know, releasing a song that somebody else wrote, it's your first single, and then now a song that you had a hand in writing and it's doing even better. You know, what's that difference in feeling like? You know, I try to think and, and, think back and so I can answer it best, but I, I always end up saying the same thing. It, it's kind of a, a, an unreal sort of a numb kind of a dreamy sort of a feeling, you know, it's, it's sort of hard to, to put into words. But when I realized it was starting to actually, you know, push up the charts a little bit more than our last single. And it happened to be a song that, you know, we wrote and we worked really hard on that song too. You know, we, you know, Derek George and John Tiro and I, we we had a, a really awesome synergy there for a while. And, and I remember that song, uh, we, you know, wrote the song and and pretty much knocked it out in a day. And I, I had this old cheap uh, Tascam four-track recorder, and, and that's how we recorded the demo. And uh, it, But it was just good enough to you know, that my producers, Billy Joe Walker Jr. and Kyle Inning, you know, liked it, and they thought that it had a real identity to it, and it was like, you know, I think probably Look At Me Now was one of those songs that had such an identity uh, that I think it played into how the rest of my first record, you know, ended up going style-wise, style you know. I think it sort of dictated where a lot of things went, and, uh, you know, 
it was just awesome to to have a top twenty, and I, it was it was really surreal being that young and and it being our second single. I did kind of always have this this uh, thought in mind of oh well we're going to have to you know push and and work hard for a long time before we see anything happen you know and and that happening as soon as that did I was just like wow this is really crazy and then you know not having any money and then getting a a, a check you know of a, of a significant amount at at 20 <laughs> years old I was like holy wow batman this is really awesome <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm going to be able to eat for a while yeah, and if nothing else, those two songs helped set the stage for an incredible 1995 for you. Um, the next two singles were also off the debut album, Someone Else's Star, and my personal favorite, Rebecca Lynn, both number one hits for you, and were written by Skip Ewing, who uh, wrote a few, if not several, of your songs, right? Yeah, Skip, I mean, I won't say he owned the 90s because there were a, a, just a ton of great writers that had really great runs, and, and we're all so grateful for those writers. Uh, but Skip and I had a we had a, a, a really good run together, and uh, I don't think we planned it that way. He was just writing so many good things, and they all just seemed to, to uh, well, not all of them, but a lot of them just seemed like they were, you know, tailor-made for for my voice and and the subject matter was great and it was just a great combo there for a while. Let's start with someone else's star because that became your first number one hit. When you recorded it, when you released it, did you have an idea that hey, this might be the one? I, you know, um, I, I I don't think so. I. I I don't think anybody can. It's like Quincy Jones, you know, when his big interview with, I guess it was GQ, he said, you know, they asked him and said, do you know when something's going to be a hit? And he's like, no, you don't know that. Nobody knows that. He said, if they tell you that, they're crazy, you know. And he's right, you know. I think you you definitely feel a magical thing about him, you know, from from hearing the song to knowing it's one you want to record to when you record it, you know, you know whether it's magical or not. And, it definitely had those elements, you know. Someone else's star was. Um, I'll tell you a really u- unique, great story about someone else's star. So, Billy, uh, Billy and Kyle, my producers, they thought, you know, it might be wise for us to grab these handful of songs that we've got here and go in and let's do some guitar vocals of them and just let's analyze them and see who which ones feel good and which ones don't and. And Billy, you know, jumped in a booth and played acoustic guitar, and, and I jumped in the vocal booth and sang. And and we and one of the things that we came out with that was just, you know, just serendipitous and and great, and it felt awesome, felt tailor made for me. It was someone else's star, and and we liked it so much that uh, I mean, I sang it one time. You know, I was just so young, I didn't. I didn't know that we could do it a bunch of times. I just thought, you know, I got I got to knock it out, you know, one time. And um, and so we kept the analog tape of that, you know, guitar vocal demo that we did. And uh, Kyle had had this brilliant idea to add to it. Just add, they just added piano to it and steel guitar and fiddle and and a few percussion elements and and that was it. So they basically just kind of painted around this this guitar vocal demo. Uh, that was a one take vocal that I did, and uh, they didn't think it needed anything else, and 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 they were right. It didn't. It ended up being my my fir- a, a demo became my first number one record. So, wow, crazy! That's really cool and also impressive. 
With Rebecca Lynn, um, it would have been about eight years ago. My wife is pregnant with our first child. We're about four months out from go time. We don't know if we're having a boy or girl, but we're driving around, and uh, Rebecca Lynn comes on the radio, and we just both look at each other like, yep, you know, if it's a girl, that's what we're going to name her. Sure enough, December of 2012, we have a girl, and we named her Rebecca Lynn because I grew up listening to that song. I've always loved it. Are you serious? Wow. That is awesome. Yep, and same with my wife. She's probably an even bigger fan than I am. So her name is Rebecca Lynn Johnson, named after your song, which was being played on the radio probably almost 20 years after it was released back in 1995. That's how much staying power that that song has. And I'm sure there's thousands, millions of other people just like me who relate you know, to, to that song like, like, uh, like we did. Well, I think that's amazing, man. I'm so uh, honored. I, that's so cool, man. I love that. Thank you. And yeah, Becca turns eight this December. You have any uh, stories about recording that one? Well, uh, on the same token, uh, we, that was the other, one of the other songs that was kind of in that series of songs that we did in pre-production for my first album with, you know, guitar vocals. And uh, that was one that, uh, just turned out really well, but ultimately, uh, you know, obviously that's a full track and, and more of a production on that. But, um, I think what was, uh, really predominant about that track and, and really helped a lot was finding the right key for me. Cause I remember, I remember experimenting with lots of different keys and different kind of styles and Skip Ewing's demo of that song was, was a little bit more, it was really fast and a lot of rolling acoustic, you know, kind of James Taylor-esque type stuff. And Billy had the, the really brilliant idea to really slow it down and give it a little bit of a swing and, and uh, kind of a just gave it a little bit more of an innocent feel about it. And uh, so there was a little bit more exper- experimentation for that song, uh, but it ultimately uh, paid dividends, you know, because they... they those guys, you know, they knew they knew what they were doing with that material back then, and I was just a kid. I, I just, I was just trying to keep up, you know. <laughs> so, um, but it worked out, and I, I remember just loving singing the song. It was, it was just so fun and such a. I love the way the lyrics just bounced, and and I love what it talked about, and um, you know, ultimately, even back then as a kid, that that was what I dreamed of, you know, that that lyric, that that kind of life is what i always dreamed of and that's what i'm doing now you know i'm having i'm doing life with uh, the love of my life and i got two awesome kids and you know it's not a my my i don't mean it's exactly like rebecca lynn but it's you know that the elements of it are, are i think what we all sort of dream of uh deep down yeah same here you know you grow up listening to a song and then you end up <clears throat> kind of living the song yeah it kind of comes full circle and that that was my experience too and I, I miss songs like that. It seems like we don't have as many songs like that anymore that tell a story but paint such a perfect picture while they're doing it. It seems like those songs are getting fewer and further between. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and it's 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 an interesting time too. And not uh, this is by no means uh, in an effort to paint myself a saint, but I, I do think that you know as the generations go by, I think the. Uh, the moral compass gets pushed a little bit further, uh, you know, out of the, out of the center. And, you know, there, you know, the markets change. And so, you know, right now the market is, it's about one specific thing. And, and, uh, 
and it's driven by a lot of different factors. But I, I just I think there are songs like that out there, but they're just they you know it takes a really strong, powerful artist to to step out and go. No, I'm not going to put this out. I'm going to put this out because this means something to me. And um, I, I really, I believe there's still a lot of artists, uh, country artists out there that still believe in that kind of song. And uh, I, I have high hopes that uh, those type of songs will will come back around. You know, I think the, at the core of all of us, I think that's you know what everybody wants to hear. You know, it, it's in us. You got to think I'm probably nine years old at the time, something like that. And for the longest time, I misunderstood the ending of that song. Uh, When you talk about Laura Jean, my nine-year-old mind was like, oh, that's his new love. Rebecca Lynn, they must have broken up. So (laughs) it wasn't until years later that it finally clicked like, oh, wait a minute. I've been wrong this whole time. This is a happy song, not a sad song. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and another thing, too, I think think because of how the market has taken a turn – I think everybody, uh, the market that is being played to, uh, the attention span is so uh, is so much shorter. You know, I don't know that people uh, want to sit and, and really follow along with a storyline like right. that. You yeah. know, they, I, I do think there are people that, that, that do love that stuff, but I think just in that, in, in the marketplace, it's just tough to, you know, it's like it's a get to the chorus mentality. You know, yeah. how quick can you get to the chorus? Sure, know? sure. I'm I'm definitely one that that likes to kind of sit and go for the ride wherever the song takes me, and that was that was one of the best at doing that. That's great. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm just like you. 